It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. I know we are on a break from our regularly scheduled podcast, but in between now and when we start our next season, I wanted to pop in and spread some love. If you're new around the podcast, let me welcome you and let you know that I'm excited that you've joined us for our podcast party. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis Oltoff, and we just finished our fourth season of We're Going There. It's been my honor to create content that equips and inspires and also sometimes entertains. In between seasons of the podcast, I decided to go back to my roots. At my core, I am a word nerd and Bible teacher, so I'm sharing some teachings out of the book of James that both Matt and I shared at the Father's House Orange County back in 2020. Yes, the year of the pandemic. I also wrote a Bible study guide for the series that will help you on your journey through the book of James, and it's absolutely F-I-E-E. And if it's for free, it's for me. Hello, somebody. Hey, it's my gift to you as you journey through reading God's word. All you have to do is shoot an email over to podcast at inthenameoflove.org. That's podcast at inthenameoflove.org. And that email will be sent directly to producer Madi. So show her some love as well. When you send over that email, you'll be sent a PDF of the study guide. Again, it's free 99. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you left a positive review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one episode. I hope you enjoy the series and I can't wait for season five. If there was more in season four, then it's a vibe in season five. Love you, friends. If you're just joining in, we're in a series called If You Don't Know, Now You Know. I love it. I love it. The bare truth about being a follower of Jesus. And you know, one of the things I I remember when I was uh, in my 20s and I first said yes to Jesus, and it's the best decision you can ever make in your life. And I remember for me, I was at college. And I happened to be in a fraternity. Yeah, I was that guy that was in a fraternity, right? And it wasn't a fraternity that did a bunch of Bible studies. That's not the fraternity that I was in. I was in a fraternity that did, you know, they partied on Friday nights and all that kind of stuff. And I remember when I first, I went on a retreat. Somebody tricked me to go on a retreat. And uh, all of a sudden, I just, I fell in love with Jesus. It was like, this is amazing. Uh, Man, I love this. I said yes to Jesus and it changed my life. And I came back and I was so excited to tell people about Jesus. I I said, you know, my fraternity brothers, they're going to gather and, you know, they're getting ready to party. And I'm like, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go tell them about Jesus. This is going to be amazing. And so I get ready to go tell them about Jesus. And it didn't go quite as I planned it to go. And they actually, you know, they had some names for me and I didn't get invited to the party anymore. But here's the thing I started thinking about. I said, how can you make the greatest decision? And yet it's so hard to walk that faith out. Have you ever felt that way where you make this decision to say yes to Jesus, but then following him becomes really challenging? And I just remember thinking at that point in time, there's a difference between saying yes to Jesus and actually living my life and following him every day. And I wished at that time when I was in my 20s that I had a series like this one that we're in, in James, that walks you through what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that would have been so helpful. And I think it's such a relevant thing for today as we're looking at our culture, we're looking at our world, and there's just so many crazy things happening right now. And I just think this series is great that we get to kind of immerse ourselves in God's word in the book of James and really start to understand what what it means to be a follower of him. And there's so many things happening. We've got division happening. We've got, you know, a a pandemic happening. We've got a lockdown happening. We've got all of these things happening right now. And what James does is he actually writes to a group of followers, a group of Jesus followers, that are facing a very similar situation that we are. And what he does is he starts to invite them into what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. And if you don't know, 
you know who James is. James was, he was a pastor of a church in Jerusalem. Uh, he was the younger half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine what that would have been like, being the, the younger brother of Jesus? Uh, that would have been really fun, right? And, and so he's writing to these Jewish followers, these followers of Jesus. He's writing to them, and what's happened is they're scattered all over the countryside. And they're facing persecution. It's kind of like, very similar, not the same thing, but similar to us today, where we're scattered. We can't even meet. Some of us are in lockdown. Some of us are watching online. And he writes to them and encourages them about what it means to be a follower in the midst of trials, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of challenges. You know, here's what James does, is being the brother of Jesus, he takes the teachings of Jesus, found in, mostly found in Matthew, and he takes kind of the Old Testament, the Torah, kind of the, the book, specifically the book of Proverbs, and he puts them together and he says, I'm gonna write a letter to encourage believers everywhere. And so man, it's just a beautiful letter. And what he's doing is he's saying, hey, when you follow Jesus, you get to step into the fullness of all that God wants for you. And I just think that's one of the most amazing things that he's inviting people into. And yet we are in a similar situation where we, we look at our world and we look at the things around us and we go, man, this is crazy. And it's been, never been so challenging to be a follower of Jesus, I think. I mean, there's just so much stuff happening. We can't even meet in the normal ways that we used to meet. And I just think this series, going through James, is just so great to go, how do we be that follower of Jesus? How do we step into the fullness of everything that God wants for us? And what James does is he takes, in the book of James, through five chapters, he has 12 lessons, or 12 wisdom lessons, or 12, you know, kind of, here's, here's what you can do, 12 things you can do to be a follower of Jesus. And what we've done here at, at TFHOC is we've created a PDF for you to actually go through the book of James. I would love for you to discover those on your own, that you could start to understand what those are. But here's the challenge, is we have all of those things, yet we live in this world that is kind of total chaos right now. So it's broken, it's challenging, all of this stuff is happening. And, and yet, how do we step into what it means to be a follower of Jesus? And he gives these teachings, and he says things like we heard Pastor Bianca talk about, you know, when we show favoritism, we kind of have one foot in the world and we kind of are, have one foot trying to follow Jesus. And then he talks about trials and he talks about um, money and he talks about serving the poor and he talks about, hey, if we can't get love right, then we get Christianity wrong. And, and so James goes on and talks about this stuff all throughout the book and what he describes is this person who steps into the fullness of what God wants from him. He describes them as perfect or mature. Now, I know that kind of seems scary for us, like, you know, do I want to be perfect? We're, none of us are going to be perfect, but it's the pursuit of saying, I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. I want to step into that fullness. And it really, when James talks about it and he uses the Greek word and the Hebrew word, it really is this wholeness, this integrated self that really we get to step into, despite what's happening around us, we get to step into all that God wants us to. So here's my question today. How do we do that in the situation in the world that we're in today? How do we do that in the midst of a pandemic? How do we do that in the midst of just crazy division in an election? How do we do that when people are on lockdown? How do we do that today? How do, we, how do we step into the fullness of all that God wants us to be? And James actually has a solution, and it's found in James 1, verses 20 through, 22 through 25. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation, but I'm going to read this to you, and he gives us a solution for how do we best do that. Verse 22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, 
not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many of you want to be blessed in what you do? Yeah, absolutely. We all do. We want to be blessed in what you do. And James has this one big idea, and I would love for you just to write this down. He has this one big idea. He says this, don't just listen to God's word, actually do what it says. And if you do, you experience blessings in all that you do. That's his one main idea. And everything that he writes in these five chapters really is about this one thing. If we would just listen to God's word and actually do what it says, if you do, you experience blessings in all you do. And so everything James writes in this book is really based on this whole idea. Now here's my goal today. My goal is this, is I want you to fall in love with God's word. I want you to fall in love with God's word, that it's God's story for us. The, the Bible, this, this, this paper copy, if you don't have a paper copy, you need to get a paper copy. We'll help you get one. It's whatever translation, but this, man, it's the word of God and this thing is active, it's alive, it's breathing, it changes us and it molds us. It guides us in everything that we do. And see, at that point in time in, in history, they didn't have the written word of God. They could only tell stories about this. And so we are so blessed today to have this. And you know what? Here's the thing is I could go through chapter one. I could go through chapter two. I could go through chapter three. I could go through chapter four. And Pastor Bianca is going to be back here next week going through chapter five. But I felt like it was so important to pause. And if we don't get this main idea right, nothing else matters. And that's what James is so passionate about. He says, don't just listen to God's word. Actually do what it says. And if you do, you will experience blessings in all that you do. And so, you know, I was talking about with James, you know, he's, what they would do typically is he was around when Jesus was teaching and Jesus teaching. So he would remember the stories. And so they only had the Old Testament. They only had the Old Testament. Uh, They didn't have the New Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet. And so a lot of them couldn't read. And so a lot of times what they did is they would pass on, hey, stories, this is what it means to be in God's word. They would, they would say, hear this and actually do it. And what an advantage that we have today that we actually have the Bible. We have God's written word. And, and we can read, you know, we can read all the letters. We can read the same stories. We can, you know, the red letters for Jesus. We know that Jesus is talking, right? It's really helpful. Um, but we've got amazing technology that helps us really understand God's word. And what's crazy is there's even an app, if you don't know this, there's even an app that it will read the Bible to you. If you don't want to read the Bible, the, the app will read the Bible to you, right? And so you think about all this technology that we have. And here's the thing. We still have the same challenge today not applying this to our lives. And I think that's one of the things I just was, when I was reading this James and just diving in, it's just how important it was for him, for people to move from not just listening and, and think about it. A lot of times, even in the pandemic, even watching online, we'll just watch and we don't actually take the next step. We don't actually dive into our, our Bible. We don't actually get into a community group. We don't actually step into what God has for us. And James is going, man, stop just listening and actually step into what God has for you. And if you do that, your life will be blessed. And, and that's what James is so passionate about. And he's basing his teaching on his brother Jesus, right? So uh, he hears Jesus say the same thing. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. And I'll tell you a little bit about this passage in Matthew 7. Is Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, this is what's known as the Sermon on the Mountain. It's when Jesus gathers thousands of people on a hillside and he starts to teach them these amazing things. And he teaches them things like, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, love your enemy, be a light, be salt. He teaches them all these amazing things and he does it for three chapters. 
some of the greatest teachings on the planet right there in God's word. And then it gets to Matthew 7, verse 24 through 29, and it says this, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says this, this is Jesus. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came with the fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of this strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and it rained and the flood came with the wind and the waves beating upon the house, it collapsed and was swept away. And by the time Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were dazed and overwhelmed by his teaching because his words carried such great authority, quite unlike the religious scholars. And if you have your Bible right now, just highlight, underline verse 29, because his words, the Bible has great authority. And that's what we get to read today. We get to read the Bible that has great authority. And the Bible isn't just something that was written thousands of years ago and isn't really relevant today. What Jesus is saying is, hey, it was relevant then, it's relevant now, and it'll be relevant tomorrow. And you think about all of the things that have happened on the planet. You think about all of the history of the planet. You think about all the things that were shakable, things that came and gone. You look at um, world wars and civil wars. The Bible was still the unshakable foundation. You look at pandemics that happened, the Bible was still the unshakable foundation. You look at Democrat presidents and Republican presidents, the Bible was still the foundation. You look at any Christian in any country around the place, the Bible is still the unshakable foundation. And here's the thing, it's the unshakable foundation for everything we have faced, are facing, and will face tomorrow. It's the unshakable foundation and, and, you know, and, and you think about the things that it can, the, the way that it can help you and the way that it can, you know, whatever you're facing. If you're facing something with your marriage, the Bible is an unshakable foundation. If you're having struggles with relationships, the Bible is your unshakable foundation. The Bible is just this amazing gift. And it doesn't say, you know, this, this passage in Matthew doesn't say, if the storms come. It says, when the storms come. And I don't know about you, but 2020 has been kind of that storm. And I don't know what we would do without something that has an anchor, our unshakable foundation in God's word. Because everything else around us is changing. Everything else around us is moving. We can't, we can't predict anything. We can't even plan for 2021. But God's word is an unshakable foundation for us. And here's what I want to do as we go through this and we talk through this, this passage in, in, what, in the book of James. Is this is why he brings up in James 1, he talks about trials and tribulations. This is why he brings up in chapter five, he talks about patient suffering because the Bible is this unshakable foundation. It's not when the storms are, or if the storms are gonna come, it's the storms, when the storms are gonna come. And so how are we gonna use that? And so one of the things that Jesus does is he really talks about these two different options. He says, hey, you can build a foundation on my word or you can build a foundation on the way the world does it. And I don't know about you, I, at least for me, I, I, you know, I was a sinner, saved by Jesus, right? But I know what it's like to try to base my world on the world's values. And it doesn't work. It doesn't solve those problems. And it might feel good at the moment. It might you know, be a temporary thing, but it's a foundation that will collapse and fade away. And he says, build your life on this unshakable foundation. And whatever situation you're facing, whatever you have in front of you, the Bible is that unshakable foundation. Now, here's the good news. Is everything you're facing Everything you're gonna encounter is right here in this book. 
Everything that's in, in here, this is living. In, it's, like, it's like the instruction manual right in front of us. We just have to read it and we just have to do it. Now, uh, how many of you like instruction manuals? Not very many of you like, a few, a few hands went up, some people, so I love instruction manuals, right? And so my wife, Bianca, she is amazing, love my wife, but there's a few things that drive me crazy about Bianca. And no matter how much I try to convince her about technology and the use of technology and the benefits of technology, she still doesn't use it. She sticks with what she knows. In fact, in our bedroom, I bought a TV, I put it on the wall, I put Apple TV, and I, literally I came in there the other day, and she's still watching the show on her iPhone in bed. And I'm like, you know the screen is bigger there. Well, I just like, I just, this is what I like. I like on my iPhone. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I bought her, I, literally, I bought her an iPad and it has all these amazing apps. It's brand new. And it's, I'm like, it's gonna be a bigger screen. You can at least take this with you. You can watch your shows. You can do on there. You know what she uses it for? She uses it for notes when she teaches. That's all. She doesn't use it for anything else. And I'm like, it has so much potential. So much potential if you would just take and look and understand what it could do. And I think that's so true about the Bible is that the Bible has so much potential for your life. That God wants you to live in the fullness of everything he wants for you. He really does. He doesn't want to keep something from you. He wants you to have the fullness of it. But you've got to jump into the instruction manual and begin to read it and study it and live it. And you know, it's, it's crazy. I don't, I, uh, how many of you like Ikea? Okay, we've got some Ikea fans in here. And so um, I love when I get to go walk around Ikea, okay? And, and you get to see the showroom, right? You get to see the showroom and it's, everything's assembled in the showroom and it looks amazing, right? You're like, this is awesome. My house could look like this. This is so great. And you see it assembled, right? But the genius of Ikea is that you have to go down to that room below the, below the showroom, right? And you gotta find that box and that little card in aisle nine, four, whatever it is. And you gotta take that box and you actually have to take it home and assemble it. Right, and so I don't know how many of you've done that. There's actually support groups online for people that have tried to assemble things that I can't. I didn't know this. I didn't. I was like, I didn't think it was that hard, right? But there's support groups, and there's all these like, you know, IKEA fails. Do a search for IKEA fails, and it's like people put together a chair backwards. I don't know how they did it, but here they, they go home, and you know, they forget what it looked like in the showroom, and then they have to try to assemble it. And especially if you don't have the instructions, how can you possibly assemble this furniture that you're looking at? And you might see a couple images of what it might look like when you get Ikea and you have to sit at home and do this. And this is the same thing that James is talking about in chapter one. He says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Kind of you see it in the showroom and you go home and you have to assemble it, right? But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, just even his, his example here about the mirror, I don't, maybe I'm the only one, but I, I feel like I've lived this out multiple times, probably very embarrassing times I've lived it out. But you get ready at your house and you're in the mirror and you're, just, you know, you're doing your hair and you're, you look good, you're in the mirror, you see your image, right? You see your, but somehow you leave your house looking like that image in the mirror, right? So you leave and you go to lunch or something like that and you're sitting at lunch and usually it happens to me. This is what happens to me. About halfway through lunch, I have to go to the restroom. So I go to the restroom and I go to the restroom and I look in the mirror and I'm like, whoa, like what, your hair's out of place, you've got something hanging from your nose, you've got like food in your teeth, you've got your fly down, and you're going, how did I leave my house looking this way, right? And all of a sudden, that's what happens, and James uses this as an analogy. He says, hey, this is what it's like to try to do life without the instruction manual. You see it, you see the potential of it, 
but you're left to try to figure out how to do this on your own. And man, he says, if you would just remember, if you just focus on, if you just do it, and we have such an advantage to the audience that James is writing to right now because we actually have everything here in this living, breathing book. And I can't imagine, you know, sitting down and trying to put together Ikea furniture without the instruction manual. Have you ever done that? I don't think anybody wants to do that, right? But it's like, you take the, it's like, you don't even know how it all goes together. And you're like, well, if I put this piece of wood here and I put this on top and I do this, it kind of looks like the table. I mean, close, you know, right? You're kind of putting all these things or maybe you decide, you know, I just want to, you know, forget this. I just want to use it as firewood. You know, it's like, you know, whatever it is. But it's not until you get the instructions that it starts to make sense. And I even think we do a little bit of this with scripture is we don't want to actually read the whole Bible. We don't want to read God's story for us. We take isolated verses out of the passage and we let it apply to the thing that we're dealing with at that point in time. And all of a sudden we've got like one leg here, one leg here, one leg here. And then all of a sudden we turn around and we're in the chair and the chair's backwards and it doesn't all fit together because we're not looking at the whole picture. And what's amazing about the Ikea instructions, and you'll see a picture up here, is that the Ikea instructions actually have a picture in the instructions of what it looks like. And then it gives you step-by-step things to do to actually put that together. And that's exactly what God's word is, is God's word is a picture of what your life could look like. If you're willing to say, I just don't wanna read this, I actually wanna apply it to my life, you get to step in the fullness of that picture that God wants for you. And I wanna give you a couple things and I wanna challenge you with this one thing. And I know different people might be in different spaces with reading God's word, but I wanna challenge you to do this. It's found in James 1.25. He says, we need to intently look at God's word. And so I wanna challenge you to intentionally intentionally get into God's word. I wanna challenge you to do that. Now that might sound overwhelming to some of you and it might even be boring and in the words of Pastor Bianca, the Bible isn't boring, you're boring, boo-boo. She does it much better than I do, but I tried, I tried. But I don't know. See, I love, I love it, yeah, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here for you. Um, but honestly, I, I don't know how we do life without the Bible as our foundation. And, you know, even as we're thinking about like this Bible and like, where do I start? And do I really have to read Leviticus? But, you know, where do I start? How do I do this? And, and really it's this, you know, we get overwhelmed by the instructions and do, do we really have to follow everything that's in there? And I just want to encourage you that the hardest thing that you can do, the easiest thing you can do is just to start. Just to start reading. And, and if you want a place to start reading the Bible, start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's literally the first four books in the New Testament and it's the life of Jesus. And you can read those, and I believe as you do that, you're gonna, it's gonna start to change your life. And so I wanna challenge you to intentionally get into God's word. Now here's why I wanna do that, two reasons. Number one is God's word is full of answers for your life. Whatever question you're asking, whatever thing that you're wrestling with, if you wanna understand your purpose, God's word has an answer for how to discover your purpose. If you wanna get better at relationships, God's word has advice on how to get better at relationships. If you're facing a difficult decision, God's word has advice on how to make that difficult decision. If you wanna know how to manage your finances, God's word has principles on how to build your finances. If you wanna deal with isolation and loneliness, God's word has advice on how to wrestle with those things. And so all of us are gonna have these questions and we have a choice on where we look to for those answers. And Jesus said it in Matthew 7, he says, you have a choice, you can build on an unshakable foundation or you can build on this foundation that's gonna fall away. 
And I think for us, as we answer those questions, uh, what does it look like to really dive into God's word to do that? And I just want to share, you, share with you how powerful God's word is. In Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And I'm not going to read all 176 verses. There is 176 verses, thank goodness. But I want to highlight a couple of them. And what it is, is Psalm 119 is David talking passionately about God's word. Now, he only had a little bit of the Old Testament. He didn't actually have the New Testament because the New Testament didn't exist yet. And he had a fraction of this. And I want you to listen to how passionate he was about the Bible and God's word and how it changed his life. In verse one, he says, it helps us walk in obedience. In in verse six, it says it keeps us focused. In verse 10, it says it keeps us on track. In verse 11, it guards against sin. In verse 18, it brings revelation. In verse 25, it gives life and brings understanding and strengthens us. It enlarges our heart for the things of God in verse 32. It teaches us and helps us endure in verse 33. It gives us hope and provides comfort in verse 50. It shows us God's goodness in verse 68. It gives us wisdom. It's our constant companion in verse 98. It cultivates awe and rejoicing in verses 161 and 162. It provides peace. It guards us against stumbling. It cultivates prayer and it helps us. And God's word is the answer for our life full of answers for our life. And I believe that as you discover that, as you jump in and we wanna help you do that, can you imagine what your life would be like if you built your life on this unshakable foundation of God's word? And the second thing it do, that we'll do, is God's word changes our life. It's not something that's just a, a book with just writing. This is active and it's living and it's breathing. And what happens as you jump into it is that God's word actually begins to read you. It begins to read you in the situation that you're in. And, and as Paul ta- or, uh, James talks about the mirror and look in the mirror, the mirror's not a one-way thing, it's a two-way thing. Where God's weird word is looking back at you. And it's why you can read a verse 10 times and you get something different out of it all 10 times. Because it's applying to your situation at that point in time. And I just believe that if you're willing to jump in, if you're willing to just start, if you're willing to take five minutes or 15 minutes a day, and we wanna help you get into God's word because I believe with all my heart that it's gonna change your life.